0: Welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. And guys, I am super excited for you to hear our next guest. Next guest is somebody I consider a a really, really good friend. I've gotten to know him over the last couple of years and he is straight fire, right? Spinning Fire is actually his podcast uh, uh, name and uh, really excited. I hope you've got your pen. And your paper ready. I hope you got a seatbelt because you're going to have to buckle up. Rob always brings some fire. And uh, our, our guest is actually Rob Sevilla. He is a podcast host, he's a business owner and an entrepreneur. He's worked in the ministry for a long time. I, I see him as somebody who equips and positions people well. I, I love the fact that he can see the Father's heart for people and he can place people really well. And I, I, one of the things I'm looking forward to our conversation today is um, getting real, right? Uh, I, I think yeah. that's something that Rob does a good job. So much, you know, much uh, other things I could say, but welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan, Rob.
1: Well, it's an honor to be here. Um, and thank you so much to, for being considered to coming on. And all I'm going to share today, you talk about being real. We, we go past 100 and get to 150 real fast. But it's in that real quarry that I pray that we talk about today that will empower somebody to just be who God has called them to be. Yeah. Right. And, and to not live that filtered life, if I can use that terminology, because that's not the best version that God has for you. So thank you for allowing me to come on today.
0: Absolutely, man. I know it's going to be good. And I believe, uh, I believe some people are going to be set free from certain things. Uh, just listen. Yeah. And, and there's going to be some freedom there. And sure. uh, before we jump in, though, Rob, I love, you know, I gave a brief a little uh, thing on who you are, but tell us sure. a little bit about you, what you do and and kind of take us back. How did you get to where you are right now?
1: Absolutely. So born in Southern California, single mom had me when she was 15. My brother, when she was 17, my mom gets radically saved from this evangelist on the radio. You talk about God ordained appointments. My, we grew up heavy Catholicism. My family's Hispanic. My mom gets this wild spiritual hair, if you will, moves us two kids and her all the way to Georgia from Southern California to Georgia in a little chevette, crammed it full of all of our stuff. My biological dad wanted nothing to do with the direction my mom was going. My mom gets there, meets a man uh, there in this particular church plant. They're asked to go to Oklahoma to help uh, establish a church or kind of strengthen a church. Unfortunately, that person turned out to be a very abusive husband. And so here's my mom single again. Now she has four kids, me, my brother, my other brother, and my sister. And I quickly have to become the man of the house at like age nine. So here I am age nine, single mom, having to work all the time. The burden has fallen on me to be the man of the house, take care of my siblings. And um, by the time I was 15 and a half and went through all of that, I moved to Mississippi because the church that we were part of had a headquarters here, moved the headquarters to Plannersville. And so I was just, to, I mean, I don't know how to be any other way, but just brutally honest, I was just, I loved my family and I loved my mom, but I had felt like I'd given up all those child years, which I would do it all again because I love my family, but I felt like I wasn't able to be a kid. Hmm. And it was a good thing. And I, I bring this up, Corey, because this is from your listeners and, and watchers is, Uh, Maybe you can relate to this, but I had to grow up so fast that it wind up hurting me down the road. Why I learned how to be independent and go out and hunt for myself and all those things. It also affected me greatly in a lot of my relationships. And we'll talk more about that later. And so I moved here when I was 15 and a half, part of the same church, moved in with some friends of ours, started working at Captain D's, which was my first job smelling like fish every night but you had to do what you had to do, right, to, to, to make a living. And my mom didn't have the money to, uh, you know, fund me to come here. And so from there, just spent most of my, the rest of my childhood, my young adult life here, um, been an entrepreneur off and on, been in some sort of sales off and on, been in and out of jobs off and on in different seasons. But most of my career has been sales. And then on top of that, Um, just the ministry. My wife and I have been in some form of ministry for over 20 years, from worship leaders to like a teaching pastor to most recently lead pastor, church planner, Um, you name it. Any kind of pastor that's pretty much been in the church, youth pastor, whatever, we pretty much have done that. And it allowed us to really just love people at a deep level. Because whether we see it or not, Corey, a lot of us just see, you know, the, the fancy shirts or the hats or the shoes or the clothes. We see the external, but I've seen it rich, poor, black, white, Hispanic, Asian. Most people, if not all people I've messed up, I mean, that, I, that I've encountered are all jacked up in some way, yeah. right? And so for 20 years in ministry to see these imperfect people come together, pursuing this perfect God, in my opinion, is a very beautiful thing. So today, fast forward today, my wife and I are insurance agents and we primarily are in the Medicare space, insurance space. And so I do a little bit of everything. I still do ministry. I still speak. I still lead worship, do insurance, obviously. Of course, you know, we have a family of, of five, myself, my wife and our three kids.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. So, guys, California, mom has an encounter, moved to Georgia and uh, wow, it just kind of goes from there. What you know, as I'm listening to your story right there, you're talking about your mom. I think, um, and and just something that pops into my mind, it would be very easy to hear that or be in that scenario and become bitter. Um, mm-hmm. Did Did you ever get to that point, or or what what kind of yes. happened with you to trigger? Because you are very spirit filled. You love the Lord and all. So sure. I'd love to hear that kind of that component, your relationship. Sure.
1: Sure. Uh, to answer your question directly, yes, there was a season in my life where I was very angry. Yeah. Um, and and just to put this in context, my mom was 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 raised in Catholicism, and she goes to radical radical Charismania. Mm-hmm. So that's a massive, you know, a tr- a distance from one side of the Christian spectrum to the other. And so for me, what what really greatly affected me through my life. And and of course, I feel like God's delivered me and I feel like I'm healed from that pretty much, unless there's just something there I don't see, Um, was I was bitter because we grew up very poor. Um, We were the church people of the family and church that everybody had to sponsor to go to camp and kind of felt sorry for. They were very sincere. And I was very grateful to have those people in our life that loved us. You know, uh, where I grew up at Denny's is real big. You know, I know we have IHOP here and some other places, but Denny's was real big where I grew up. And it was embarrassing to go to like a fellowship, and we would all have to split like a Sunday, because my mom couldn't afford anything else, right? And so my mom loved her to death and was very sincere, but mixed in with this young, immature young woman who has these kids, kind of has a midlife crisis on top of this hyper charismatic religious thing would just, just caused me to be angry because I didn't want to be poor anymore. Mm. Right. I, I was mad at my mom because my mom kind of went through a midlife crisis and kind of put everything on me. And I don't think she meant to do that. So let me be very clear, but she was young, four kids, didn't know what to do. Didn't had a, a ninth grade education level. Yeah. And so it did cause me to be bitter. And I think in those formidable years, I became somewhat independent, hard and callous to some degree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, within that, I hear some, some great strengths, but sometimes that strength can become a weakness as it sounds like that you're alluding to, but, you know, getting to know you and you're a go-getter, right? You you can go make it happen. So that's some of that strength that was formed right there that, you know, any of our strengths that we take out of alignment there, it can become a weakness. And um, anyway, I, I I just, uh, that's, that's amazing. I think that's pretty amazing. So you've been in uh, some leadership roles, and you talk about empowering people, you know, somebody who may be out there and they're trying to build a business, grow a business, uh, maybe they're in some kind of leadership role and they hear that. They, they hear me talk about it a lot, empowering people. And they say, how do you see it? Like, what am I looking for? Like, how do you actually practically see what people are good at? You got any thoughts on any of that? Because uh, you do a really good job of that.
1: Yeah. I'll just be honest because, you know, this is once again, you know, that I'm passionate about my faith and it's interwoven into everything that I do. To me, it's a God-given gift. Yeah. Right. And this is going to sound a little kooky maybe to some of your watchers or listeners is I'm just able to walk into a room and really discern people's heart. Mm -hmm. And I believe that was given to me by God. I'm able to walk in and sense, is there a lot of pushback? Is there a lot of, hurt is there a lot of anger is there a lot of this and what i have found and it's once again it's a gift i I don't know if there's any simple one two three formula but what i have found for me is that i have went way out of my way to go after people just like the bible says in the book of john that jesus is the good shepherd and he goes after the one and leaves the 99 I feel if you truly want to empower people that you have to show them that same mindset, right. That you're willing to go after and get them because you don't know how many of those people. And I'm using this more in a business context, but you don't know how many of them may be in a season where they've strayed so far off that they just don't know how to get back Mm -hmm. and to have meet someone in their life or in this journey called life that's willing to go after them and doesn't even know them, but is willing to love them and say, Hey, I, I just feel called to walk alongside of you, or I just feel called to just wanna develop a, a friendship with you. It's amazing to me over 20 years of doing that, the lunches, the breakfasts, the getting together here at the offices or the churches or wherever. It's amazing to me how just a one or two sit downs empowers people. I think that we, it, we, we make it harder than what it is, Corey. I think a lot of times we're like, go read a book, go to a conference, go watch a whole bunch of YouTube videos. And all those things are good because I've admitted on my podcast and many other podcasts, I'm a junkie when it comes to content. But a lot of times it's just as simple as, hey, I see you, Mm -hmm. right? There's an old Hebrew name in the Bible for God called El Roy. Some people say Roy, but El Roy, R-O-I. And it simply means the God who sees me. Mm Mm-hmm. I believe we have to be leaders who see people, Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? I believe they all have this sign on them that says, I just want somebody to see me, like truly see me, help me, please. Whether that's in drastic circumstances or maybe that's less drastic circumstances, I believe everyone's walking around with that sign on them, myself included.
0: Absolutely. And, you you know, I know you are very gifted in that. And there's probably a, a lot of people listening that you have that same gift, but you don't have a language for it. And, mm. and if you say, I don't know if I have that gift or not. I think there's something that I hear and everything that Rob just said is at the heart of it. You got to care about people. You got to sure. care about people. When you care about people, you start to notice People and you start to pick up on, hey, they're pretty good at this and pretty good at that. And that's that's, what you, that's exactly what you said. The essence of what you said there is sure. caring about people, loving people, wanting to see them do well, wanting to see people do well.
1: And let me say this too, real quick, Corey, is what I had to learn in ministry was that the church, and listen, if you're listening or watching this today, I'm not hating on the church. I love the church, okay? But it's this, I believe this is a fact, is that it's the same thing in leadership in the, in, in the natural, right. In, in the, in the secular world, we've done a really good job as a church of helping people make decisions, Mm -hmm. but we've done a really crappy, I can say crappy on the podcast, right? Okay. 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 That's Christian cussing for all of you listening. Why that's Christian cussing. Okay. But uh, that's crap. We've done a very crappy job at making disciples. Yeah okay in the business world it's the same thing we've done a really good job at maybe recruiting right i'm a good recruiter that's one thing but a lot of people are not good at making disciples in their business what does that mean being a dis- making disciples requires you to invest your life mm-hmm. and if we're to be brutally honest in this day and time we want to we, we we want results without having to do that in a lot of cases yeah And so for our churches to thrive, we need to learn how to make disciples by investing our lives, showing people that we care. If you're a business person today, you will radically transform the culture of your business, the results of your business, if you learn how to invest your life in people, not just pay them a check every two weeks or once a month or whatever the frequency is.
0: Yeah. You know, you said something the other day. We were at a... um... We were all together. We we're sitting around. You said something that was really powerful that goes along with all of that. A lot of times we we get into this where we want, we like to hear the details, but we don't like to uh, see the um, the restoration. We, we like seeing the mess ups, but we don't like seeing the miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's got to come down to your heart and your care about other people. Um, you can yeah. share some of that because that was that was pretty powerful. sure.
1: Sure. Well, it was in regards to failures in our life. And listen, I'm going to raise my hand. I've had some massive failures in my life. I'm not proud of it. Right. But I know that I've left it at the foot of the cross. Yeah. And what I was saying in regards to to failure, that the church, once again, this is not a church hating podcast. So you, but but if you want to send hate, hate email, Corey loves those. He'll take them. OK, yeah. but, but but we do this in the secular world as well. That we become people who are more worried about the details of people's failures or mess more than their deliverance out of that. Or we become more concerned about the mess itself than the miracle that God wants to do in and through them. And if you're ever going to be a leader, a true leader in this life, you have to be the opposite. You have to care about that person so much that you see them like God sees them. Mm -hmm. right? That, That he sees them as having purpose, as value, that just because they have failed doesn't make them a failure. Just because they have stumbled doesn't mean that they can't do anything more in this life. And here's the reality, and I don't know how to say it, and I'm not the one who coined this phrase, but I think a lot of times the church, we sing these wonderful songs about it, but I think sometimes we think, and we may never say it out loud, Corey, but I think we, we think that somehow we can out the cross of Christ, mm-hmm. that we have more sin than he has saving power, that we have more mess than he has mercy. Oh, and the choirs are singing. They're playing in the background in the church. But, but here's the thing. it Don't tune us out if you say, well, that's just not for me. I'm not a faith based person because it applies in the natural as well. You want to radically transform the culture of your business. Be willing to look past the mess and see the potential that that person has, that maybe you're the one that God's going to use in this season to help lead those people to their deliverance. Somebody had to lead the children of Israel out of Egypt. Do you mean to tell me out of all those two to three million Jews in Egypt that none of them knew that they didn't need to belong in Egypt, but nobody rose up and let them out? God called somebody to lead them out. Mm. Maybe you're someone's Moses today Yeah. that yeah. you're leading them out of their Egypt, if you will, to the promised land that God has for them. I, I pray that makes sense because even in your business, learn how to become a Moses, learn how to see people in their in their Egypt, if you will, in, th- in their despair in, in their slavery and say, hey, God, use me to bring them out of that and, and see that they can be so much more than what they're settling for.
0: Absolutely. You, you speak in my language, Rob. I like that stuff. We, we we talk about finding the gold and diamonds and putting sure. a tin on people's head and, and all of that. And sometimes I get a little pushback from that as well. What, what about the mistakes in people's lives? And, you know, I, you know it's not that I look past that we, we deal with some of that stuff as well. But what I found is most people are pretty well aware of the dirt in their lives, and but it takes zero talent, yeah. right? It takes zero talent. Yeah. To
1: out. Well, and let me say this to that point. So when I hear people say that, mm-hmm. what happens a lot of times, and there again, I'm speaking from a faith-based perspective because that's who I am, okay? But a lot of times we make up our own version of the 10 commandments. So here's how it works. My Ten Commandments, my version of the truth, if we want to use that in a more general sense, but biblically to speak some Christianese, my version of the Ten Commandments highlights Corey's depravity and my righteousness.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. right? Or highlights all the good that I do and highlights all the bad that everyone else does. If we're to be honest Mm -hmm. right now, if we're just going to lie about it, then we'll lie about it. But everybody is on the same level playing field no matter how much you have failed or no matter how much you achieve. Romans 3 23, all have fallen short of the glory of God. What does all mean in the Greek? All. What does all mean in Hebrew? All. What does all mean in Spanish? All. What does all mean in English? A-L-L. All
0: everybody
1: i like it yeah well yeah in the south everybody that's right yeah, yeah. yeah
0: everybody yeah
1: but does that make sense and i and we do that it, we get that we get religious we think somehow we have this religious uh resume and that god's up there just going yay Corey!" and it's not that god's not pleased with us i don't want to be too sarcastic here yeah. but somehow we drift and we get what i call grace amnesia and we forget that we need grace, and we're just as desperate for grace now than we were twenty-something years ago, or however many years ago, yeah. when we first started this faith journey.
0: Yeah, that's good. Uh, you know, Rob, I, I I hear you, and I hear what you're saying. You're you've got a lot of good stuff. But what what I want people to understand is that. Um, you know, me and you both are content junkies, as you said, but you're not just regurgitating information. What what you're talking about is some uh, truths that you have lived out. And one of the questions I have for you is we talk a lot about these life-defining moments, moments that happen to you that they've been defining moments of who you are right now. And I was just curious, any... If I gave you a long time, you would come up with a bunch of them. But are there some that just kind of popped to your mind off offhand? some life defining moments for you that have made you who you are, that everything that just came out of you, that was passion, right? You're not ready to script. (laughs) No, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, I would say for me, one that rises to the top is my marriage to Gina. Mm. So short version context here because of the way that I grew up at the age of 8, 9 years old, having to be the man of the house, it made me hard. And I be and, and you know this as a life coach and someone who studies personality types, my personality type, which is a high D, it's a DI. I'm an inspirational guy, but the D is the the main piece of the puzzle there, the pie. And we're very driven and we tend to get too focused on doing. Mm you know, activity, getting stuff done, being those forerunners, right? And there's nothing wrong with that uh, when it's healthy. Um, but I think as a young man, I, I, it, it just increased that in my life and I became hard to some degree. Not that I didn't love people. I've always been the class clown. I'm, there's a funny, very humorous side to me as well. I'm very sarcastic in a lot of ways and have just enjoyed life, but it made me hard. And so by the time I got to my marriage with Gina, I don't believe I knew what love was. Mm. I thought I did. I messed up early on and lived years of of a very promiscuous life and thought that was love. Like a lot of people, we we tend to settle for generic love or what the world calls love, uh, and that was me. I'm not I'm not proud of that, but that's just the truth. And so hurt a lot of people, hurt myself included. And so when I got married, I brought in all of that into this marriage, and Gina has loved me through all of my demons. That was a very defining moment because for the first time I saw this person who didn't love me because I performed well, didn't love me because I had something to offer because I was, you know, broke, right? I was this broke little Hispanic guy that had nothing to offer, but here was this girl who just loved me for me and I began for me, for me it began to show me the love of the father for the first time at a deeper level what grace was, what mercy was. Fast forward to 24 years, Gina has loved me through all of my failures. Gina has loved me through all of my demons. And there's been plenty of those, okay? And the reality is it was defining for me because it allowed me to have the fuel necessary outside of God as my main source to really genuinely love people at a deeper level because I truly believe this. It's really hard to transfer something to other people that you do not possess or you've experienced yourself. I would have not been able to love people the way that I've loved them for 20 years first without God, but secondly, without my wife loving me through all of my junk. Because it's really hard to 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 love people through all of their sin and mishaps and failures if you've never had anyone do that for you. Does that make
0: sense? Oh, absolutely. And, and I love what you're saying right there. You, you know, we are contagious, right? Like people catch something mm-hmm. from you. And I teach it in leadership that leadership is both taught and it's also caught. The, the taught part, that's the information, right? Anybody can go read a book. Anybody can go regurgitate information, but that caught component, that is experience that you have lived out that people catch from you and you are imparting that. And, th- and that's what I get from you, right? You've lived that out. You understand what the grace and the love is and that is caught, from you. You, you, You're not manufacturing that. You're not faking that until you make that, right? It's just part of you. And that's pretty powerful.
1: And, And her love for me, you know, once again, apart from Jesus, but her love for me freed me from performance. Now, was there seasons in my life that I fell into that? Yeah, we all do, right? But it freed me that, wow, this person loves me this much. And I believe God has used her for 24 years to really show me that unconditional love, that sacrificially servant to that servant's heart that he has for us. And you know this, and maybe some of your listeners need to hear Maybe this is a word for someone today. Many of us never transition from living from that place instead of for that place. Yeah. Let me say that again. Many of us never transition from living, or I mean, from living for love and acceptance and someone to love me. That's why we chase so many things. That's why we pursue so many things. That's why we wake up some seasons in our life and go, what the crap am I doing here? What, what, what did I just do? Been there raising my hand, okay? Where we got off the beaten track because we got back into a posture and a position of living for love and acceptance when God says, I already love you. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: it's learning to live from that fully loved and fully accepted place. I believe God put Gina in my life to reinforce that because my whole childhood, I was so used to doing everything myself. I was the man, I was gonna do it. If it was gonna be, it's gonna be up to me. Once again, nothing wrong with some of that, but the enemy perverted it in my life and it caused me to hurt a lot of people and to hurt myself.
0: Yeah. So you touched on t- some topics there, Rob, uh, that, that are really good. It's also some topics that you're going to be writing books on, right? Yeah. All right so, hey, listeners, I want you to hear something. Rob is writing two books and they're going to be New York Times bestsellers. So you're going to be able yeah, to study. I believe it. I knew Rob. Hey, I listened to that guy. Back when? Before yeah. he was world famous. So so uh, seriously, though, Rob, you, you've told me that the two titles are Messy Grace and Fully yeah, Love right. and Fully, de- fully Accepted. Um, yeah. what, what do you mean by that? Like the messy grace part? In, in your story, you just hinted at all of it. But what do you mean by messy grace?
1: Well, I think in the Christian circles, we like the word grace. We sing songs about it. We love messages about it. We like to talk about it. But I think sometimes we don't realize how messy grace has to be to deliver some f- people, right? In my case in point, my story is very messy. I, I wish that I had that poster child story that, that we tend to have in the Bible Belt sometimes where, you know, we're shiny, glossy. But that wasn't me. I, I made a lot of mistakes in my life. I, I I did a lot of things I shouldn't have done. I ran away from God at multiple seasons in my life but grace was willing to get messy,
0: Hmm.
1: right? There's an old song from Bethel that says, love came down and rescued me. To me, what that means is that grace came running after me when I was running after everything else. And it was willing to find me in that mess. Or you could say he's willing to find me because perfect grace is personified and embodied in Mm -hmm. Jesus, right? So I think about it this way with messy grace, that Jesus, who was divine glory, according to Philippians 2, was willing to relinquish that, come to earth, be beaten, mocked, bruised, spit upon, made fun of, humiliated, and died this gruesome death. Or I could put it this way, God was willing to get messy because he knew that I needed messy grace to save someone like me. Okay. And the second part or the second book, was probably be the first will be the first one actually is fully loved and fully accepted. There you go. And once again, I believe what happens is a lot of times I didn't know this for a long time because my whole life. I felt like I had to perform my, my younger years. I felt like I had to perform. Being in sales, it's all about performance. Everything that we live in this life is based off of performance. I get an award if I do this. Even a lot of relationships of, with significant others are based off of performance. Even friendships are based off of performance. You love me and I'll love you. You do this for me and I'll be a better friend to you. And it's no wonder that so many Christians and non-Christians struggle with never transitioning to living from a place of fully loved and fully accepted, okay? But I believe the only way to do that is when you first wave the white flag of surrender, when you lay the yes down to God and just say, I make a really crappy CEO,
0: Mm.
1: Will will you take the reins will you take the keys to the kingdom Uh, i've made a mess of my life building the kingdom of rob now i i I want you to build the kingdom of god in and through me and so fully loved and fully accepted means this when i truly begin to grasp that in my own life that the love of the father that Jesus said it's finished 2000 years ago. There's nothing I can add to it. God's not in love with some future version of me. The one who prays a lot, the one who studies a lot, the one who has a whole bunch of Christian friends like Corey a lot, you know, that God loves me right now and he will never love me any more, any less than he does right now. The moment that I just say yes to him, It empowers me to live from that place of fully loved and fully accepted. But here's the key. Here's where grace comes into it. It gives me the power to say no when lesser loves come my way.
0: Yeah, Yeah. lesser loves, man. It's a pretty powerful thing. And and I'm listening to, and I just, you know, if there's somebody out there too that is like, okay, Rob, I, I mean, that's great. I get the messy grace, but... I'm sure you haven't done anything as bad as I've done. You you don't understand, Rob, like, and and I've done some pretty bad stuff. I'm pretty dirty. I'm pretty messy. And here's the thing. Nobody knows about it but me. Right. right? And, and and I don't feel like I've got anywhere to go. I don't feel like i got anybody to talk to. And I don't sure. feel like God, I'm unworthy. For God to clean me up. I just I don't want to bring it to light and I'm I'm even afraid to look at it. You got any words of hope or encouragement or anything for somebody in that scenario?
1: Yeah. And and I want to practice what I preach and I mean it. I can care less about the details of your life and what you've done and what you haven't done. But I can tell you this, I'm more concerned about that miracle, that breakthrough, that deliverance. And I can tell you this with absolute 150% certainty that God is too. Okay. So um, first, my story is very messy. As I said, it involved promiscuity and involved alcoholism, drugs, all that stuff that, you know, I won't waste a lot of time talking about because I don't want to highlight the mess more than the miracle. Right. Yeah. All I know is this, is that I was literally in the flames of hell and God saved me. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and, and then even throughout my Christian life, I would like to tell you that I've just been perfect and I haven't, I have failed miserably at different seasons in my life but God rescued me, that God ne- God wasn't like, oh, snap, to like all the people in heaven. I can't believe Rob did that. There's an old song, and I brought it up before by a worship leader named Misty Edwards, and, and I would recommend you watching this to, or go listening to it, watching it. You can go find it on YouTube. It's called, I Know What I Was Getting Into When I First Called You, and the song will just break you. It will wreck you, to use some terminology I like to use, in that God knew what he was getting into when he first called you, he knew the messiness, he knew the brokenness, he knew the scars, he knew the times and seasons when you would stumble and fall, but yet he still sees the end. What is the end? That he is more than able to accomplish in you what he started in you, Mm -hmm. right? And I love what the late uh, R.C. Sproul says, he says it this way, it's not so much that we hold tightly onto Jesus, as Jesus holding tightly onto us. yeah. Even in our greatest seasons of failure, even in our greatest seasons of darkness, even in our greatest seasons where we're running after everything else, God is radically and passionately pursuing you. And here's a word for your audience today, Corey, stop giving him your behavior. That's what we do in the Bible Belt. We love to give God our behavior. He can care less about your behavior but he's radically in pursuit of your heart.
0: Yeah. I add an amen to that and a hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah. Oh, man, that's good. That's real good. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the faith component and, and I love that. And I think most of our listeners sure. are all in on that too. And you asked me this on your podcast, and I'd kind of like to Perfect. hear your answer as well. How do you mix the mix the two, business and faith and, and kingdom mindedness? We talk about kingdom entrepreneurs and those kind of things. But what about you? How do you mix those two? Do you try to separate them or are they together? What, what is that like for you?
1: Well, and for me, this is just me. Yep. I'm okay with not everybody. Uh, I'm okay with not being everyone's flavor.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I'm this five foot five on a good day, little Mexican man who's passionate, ball of energy, loud, excited about life, loves God, loves people. And if that's not your flavor, just like Baskin Robbins has 31, I I, I guess they do. I haven't been there in a while, but they used to have 31 flavors. I know that I'm not everyone's flavor and I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. So I'm never going to separate the two. Will I be respectful? Yes, I've always been respectful. I want to know the environment that I'm in, but I always make it very clear. If I go speak somewhere, whether it's in ministry or a secular opportunity where I'm called to motivate, empower, whatever the case may be, I'm always asking them, hey, is there any issues if I do this? And if there is, I'm not going to do it, not because I'm this elitist Christian guy it's because I feel like I'm not being true to myself,
0: Yeah.
1: right? Here's why. The, the, the condition, the soil of my heart spiritually transitions over to the soil of my business. We would call it culture, right? I can't expect to have a dynamic, thriving culture if I'm not being true to myself spiritually here behind the scenes. Yeah. So for me, it's hard for me to separate them Because everything that I do is because of God. I don't deserve a wife of 24 years. My story is so messy. I don't deserve that. But messy grace made it possible. I don't deserve three healthy kids that love me and I love them. But messy grace made that possible. I don't deserve the business that I have. But by grace, he made it possible. And you know this. It's hard for me to separate them, Corey, because I know this business, the business that I have, the business that I've had, have never been mine, Yeah, right? They're his. And I'm just called to be a steward and a manager of that. So that's a really long answer to say this. Maybe some of you need to stop trying to be everyone's flavor Mm -hmm. and just be your most authentic, genuine self that God has called you to be. You know this, not everybody's going to want Corey's leadership style. Not everybody's going to want Rob's leadership style. Not everybody's going to want to buy insurance for me. That is okay because those people that God wants me to encounter and meet, I will in this life. Does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. It, what you just said kind of comes to the phrase you used earlier, living for love versus from love. It's You're saying it's living from love who you are, your identity, sure. instead of trying to perform for that identity.
1: Well, and if I look back at all the failures in my life, I look at it and I dissected it down to this one thing. I got away from living from a place of being fully loved and accepted and loved by the father. And I got my, I, I started living for, and it, start, and it caused me to pursue lesser gods, lesser loves, if you will, and so I, I'm bringing this up a lot because it, it's what I've lived. Yeah. Right. It's what I've lived in my own life. And I think about the woman that was caught in the act of adultery just real quickly. You know, It's a very popular uh, sermon that a lot of preachers preach across the country. But what was so powerful about it is that when Jesus says, hey, all these religious people have brought you before Jesus because they wanted Jesus to do something about it. Actually, they were tr- trying to trap Jesus. here was this woman caught in the act of adultery and all these religious people of the day leaders brought her to jesus and jesus basically says hey whichever one of you doesn't have sin in your life go ahead and cast the first stone because in jesus's day in the law of moses in in their culture you could be stoned for that yeah and jesus tells them hey once again it's making up our own version of the Ten Commandments. So I can stone Corey, but talk about how righteous that I am. This is what Jesus is ultimately saying. And so then they then we look up and none of the accusers are there because none of them after they thought about it for a minute and Jesus challenged them, they were like, Well, well, crap, man, all of all of our lives are messy. Mm-hmm. So you can be just as lost in your religiosity as you are in your blatant sin. Mm-hmm. That's what Jesus was saying. These people were lost. They said they loved God, but they were lost in their religiosity. And so then they look up and none of her accusers. Jesus like, where's your, where, where's your people throwing shade at you? Where are the people throwing rocks? And she's like, there are none, Lord. And he says, well, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. I feel like we miss it. Here's what he's saying. You've encountered perfect love today. Mm-hmm. And because you've encountered perfect love and I fully love you and I fully accept you, you now have the power to live from that and say yes to me and say no to the lesser loves.
0: Yeah, man, that's good. And, and and that's where that freedom comes in at, right? Before we meet Jesus, it says we were bound by sin. We, we weren't set free. Well, afterwards, and I talk to people, and, and sometimes we'll have these, well, I'm, I'm tempted, I'm tempted. Well, after Jesus, you have a choice, right? It, you can choose to go back into that, but you're set free. You can choose not to. And I hope, uh, and I know you got something right there, but I, I want to say something here, too, is I hope that as you're listening, you are catching something. You just heard me talk about the taunt and the cult part. What, what you're catching here is somebody who has lived out and knows what the love of the Father is, If there is nobody mm. too far gone. There's nobody just too good, right? There's nobody too far gone, no too not too dirty, no heart too hard, no place too far gone uh, to experience the love of the Father that He's there. And I hope you're catching catching that part right there. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and and that's so true. And and here's the reality: the reality is here's how simple it is. Okay, is it doesn't mean you'll never stumble some of us probably bigger than other people but it doesn't mean we have to automatically condition ourselves to that point. A lot of times when we stumble and fail the bible says we're drawn away by our own lust and temptation, right? It's us. We so the first step to overcoming that in your life, maybe you failed miserably today, number 1 is to own your crap, own your sin, own your junk. Confess it. Give it to God. It's not because God needs to know the details because he already knows the details. It's that God wants you to own right? Own it. And a lot of times we don't want to own it. We live in a, we live in a culture that wants to blame everybody. It's Corey's fault. It's because of this. It's because of that. Listen, if you're blaming today, it's blocking your breakthrough, which is ultimately blocking the blessings that God has for you. Okay. If you're blaming, if all you're doing is living from a life of blame, that you'll, you'll never have the breakthrough you need. So number one, real quickly, is I got to own, I got to confess it. I know I've said crap a lot and I'm sorry, Corey, if that offends anybody. <laughs> you got but- got a lot
0: of crap just, in here. Come well,
1: on. It's just, hey, it's just the way I talk, man. So if you, you know, whatever. But number two is I have to release it. So at the foot of the cross, I check that baggage, I check that failure, I check that junk, whatever it is, and I confess it and I leave it to leave it there at the foot of the cross. Number two is I release it. Right? Once again, I think it's pride to some degree that we think that our sin is greater than God's power to save. Okay. And so we have to release it. The Bible says that He's faithful when we confess our sins, He's faithful to forgive us. He cast our sin as far as the east from the west, He throws them to the ocean's floor. All these different uh, uh, symbolisms in the Bible, what God does with our sin. If that's the case, then why do we keep holding on to it or revisiting it again? If he, we must release it because if not, it will keep us, it will, it will imprison us. It will keep us from living on purpose. Okay. And then number three, which I think is a biggie. We have to ask God, Romans 8, 28, 29. It's a popular passage of scripture that's quoted, but we have to ask God, will you repurpose it? And you may be saying, "Well, Rob, how does he repurpose all of my junk and my crap and my mess and my failures? How does he do that?" I don't know. I'm not God, right? So I'm—I don't understand everything, but I'm glad I don't because if I did, then he wouldn't really be God, because that means my finite mind would be able to uh, c- uh, comprehend all of his infinite wisdom. That would be a very puny God to serve, wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. So, but but I can tell you in a practical way how he does it is now take all of your stuff, your junk, your sin, your failures, your mishaps, your stumbles and birth a ministry out of it. Yeah. That's where the fully loved, fully accepted book is coming from. Is God, how can I help other people say, "Hey, don't don't do this what I did. Hey, this is what this means." Take it from 20 plus years of experience. And so the quickest way that I believe for it to be repurposed in anyone's life is to say, God, how can I birth a ministry out of it that will serve people at the highest level?
0: Wow, That's really good. So own it, confess it, ask God how you can repurpose it, man. That's really, really good. And I got one last question here. Sure. Before we wrap up and you've added a ton, a ton of value. And um, you can, my question to you is you said you're a content junkie and Hey, leaders are readers. Uh, mm. and I'm just curious, maybe what are three, five books, uh, that's made an impact on you? They could be faith. They could be religious, uh, or they could be secular leadership, personal growth, whatever. But, uh, I would love to hear maybe three books that you'd like to throw out, um, that have made an impact on you.
1: Sure. And uh, this one's cliche, but it's the Bible, yeah. right? I know a lot of leaders like us study Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and hear from the richest and wisest King, but more than that, before I got to that point. I needed to know about this love that was so great. I would not be here right now if it wasn't be, if I, if it wasn't uh, for me understanding really and grasping the love of the Father, what it means to be fully loved and fully accepted. Or I could put it this way: what it means to be so loved. John three sixteen. Okay. Uh, so the Bible would be one. Uh, I would say recently in the past two to three years, uh, there's a book by Pastor Greg Rochelle called "Winning the Battle in Your Mind." I believe that's the name of it. And and I loved it because there was this powerful phrase in there where he talked about how to confront lies. Like we uh, we can't defeat something that we don't define. Many of us just live our lives never taking time to confront those lies and defining them. And what I mean by defining them is literally writing them down and going, this is a lie from the pit of hell and replacing it with the truth. See, I would never know that I was fully loved and fully accepted, Corey, Because by the world's standards, I've messed up too much. I've failed too much. Even by the church's standards, the religious church, I've failed too much. And I've messed up too much. But those are lies. No, No offense to anybody, but that's what they are. They're lies. I had to go back to the Bible, confront that lie look at the truth and say, he'll never love, he'll never leave me, he'll never forsake me, there's nothing I could ever do to separate me from the love of God that he's faithful and just to forgive me if I'm willing to confess and release it to him, okay? So winning the battle in your mind, and then another one that really had a big impact on me, and I want to make sure I say it right, was called the go-giver. I'm pretty for sure that's the name of it, go-giver, and it's talking about being, living this life of generosity, right? That we're called to be out of this world generous because we serve an out of this world generous God. Mm. So I would say right up the top, those are three that come to mind.
0: Nice. Very good, man. Well, Rob, definitely uh, appreciated you be on. You've added a ton, a ton of value. And if, if anybody's listening and they want to say, hey, Rob, I'd love to hear you speak or come have you speak or where do I find your podcast that I would love to listen into that and I would love to be on the newsletter for your upcoming but whatever right how do people reach out to you Rob
1: sure the best way to find me is on Facebook uh Rob I it's actually Sevilla but I say Sevilla here in the south because everybody butchers my name anyways but it's S-E-V-I-L-L-A look Rob Sevilla um, I have a persona called the Medicare Minister because I'm in, in, I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister and I'm in Medicare, um, but YouTube, the YouTube channel is the Medicare Minister. Um, my podcast is on that same channel called Spitting Fire. So any of those places you can connect with me and I would be more than honored to come and share. Um, obviously, I'm going to be with you in a couple of months at, at your kingdom retreat because we're both believing in kingdom entrepreneurism. Um, and so would be more than honored to, whether it was one-on-one or, you know, I don't have to go somewhere and have a platform to, to feel validated. I just, I just want to be a catalyst in people's lives. Corey, yeah. I, I've been loved so much by this father, this divine father that woe unto me if I don't reciprocate that and I don't become a catalyst of love wow. Why I'm here.
0: Yeah, that's good. Rob is a catalyst of the Father's love. He is an expression of the love of the Father and definitely we we'll connect with him. We'll have the links in the show notes as well. And he he touched on it that he is going to be at our Legacy Builders Executive Retreat on the very last day. Uh, he's going to be leading worship and bringing a word. And I know it's going to be good. We'd love to have you there. It's designed uh, for leaders, entrepreneurs who are kingdom minded to be in the room with other like-minded leaders for growth yeah. uh, in your personal life, professional life, and really walk away. And 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 honestly, what you mentioned there, Rob, my goal, my my underlying goal of that is people will walk away with a better understanding of the Father's love for them so they can express it out into the world, you know? So yeah, good stuff. Well, I appreciate you. I, I know you've added value to our listeners, to those listening, make sure you reach out to Rob if you have questions, or if there's something that Rob has mentioned that really stood out to you, comment. I'll share those with Rob and uh, make sure you like subscribe so you can stay up to date with any of our latest episodes. Appreciate you guys. Hope you have a great day and God bless.